At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. A factual data creation facility production. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 200. Wow. Which I'm calling Bicentennial. Makes sense, right? It just seems like about five years ago since the first OFNT podcast was released. Oh, wait. (laughs) I guess 200 episodes can be considered somewhat of a landmark. Well, don't expect any special things to happen during this particular episode. No. Well, enough of the needless blabbing. Let's just start things off now. Okay? Okay. Before I get started, as you probably could tell, I wasn't 100% last episode. I mispronounced words and made many mistakes as I struggled to get through episode 199. I just want to let you know that I'm fully recovered from whatever sickness I had, and that any mistakes made during this episode can be blamed solely on my stupidity. Tech news. All the tech pundits who cover the world of the giant fruit company, better known as Apple, expected some sort of event being held to introduce the $3,500 Vision Pro AR VR headset. They were wrong. Instead, Apple just used a humble press release to introduce the contraption. To be fair, I poo-pooed the original iPad when it was first released, but I admit that I was somewhat mistaken in my judgment at the time. I still don't think the iPad is a platform for serious computing, but for media consumption and basic computing, the lower price models are great. As far as the iPad Pro lineup, I'm of the opinion that your money would be better served investing into either a 13 or 15 inch MacBook Air. In fact, you're able to save money going for the MacBook Air over an iPad Pro if you figure in the cost of upgraded RAM storage and keyboard accessories, etc., To make your iPad comparable with a basic Air, you'd have to purchase all those things. Okay, back to the Vision Pro. The headset's pre-orders start on January 19th, and they will start shipping on February 2nd. Initial supply appears to be tight, with only 80,000 units estimated to be available on launch day. To me, this sounds like an oversupply, but hey, what do I know? I'm still trying to figure out what this product is for and who it's aimed at. I guess the use case is still to be figured out, and for the latter part of the question, the answer would be people with disposable income. Unfortunately for Apple, that demo seems to be shrinking lately. Hmm, I wonder why that is. Come on, man. No new hardware upgrades since these goggles were first announced during WWDC last year are evident. The Vision Pros are powered by the now older generation M2 chip and will come with 256 gigs of storage. There are still some unanswered questions, though. If you happen to wear prescription lenses, can you still pre-order it online using that prescription? Huh? If so, what will be the delay time? 
The website for Vision Pro appears to be unchanged except for the addition of the pre-order and ship dates. I believe Apple has lowered expectations for the product, knowing that most orders will come from tech journalists and diehard Apple fans. Besides the use case and expensive price of the Vision Pro, remember it's a first-generation product and my policy knee warning still stands. Never buy a first-gen product no matter what it is or who it comes from. So, are you going to pre-order the Vision Pro? Well, not I. I'm just going to wait for real augmented reality glasses, which will come in a standard spectacle form factor. I hope I don't run out of time waiting, though. Communist China claims it has cracked Apple's airdrops encryption to identify senders, is the headline from CNN and numerous other news outlets. I added the communist part because that's how we referred to that country back in ancient times. This claim comes from the Beijing Justice Bureau. Beijing Justice Bureau. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Yes. This development was used to enable police to track down people who used AirPlay to send, quote, inappropriate information, unquote, to passerbys in the Beijing subway. They were able to identify the sender's mobile phone numbers and email addresses. Well, old Apple had no comment, and they wouldn't because they had already limited airdrop sharing with non-contacts in China. It's all about the money. Right, Tim Apple? China. As far as intelligence agencies go, perhaps they should dust off the old shortwave transmitters and go back to the number station method. I and many others would enjoy hearing them again. The annual Consumer Electronics Show, CES, was held last week. The consumer part of the title of this event is a leftover from olden days as consumers really don't attend these conferences much in these modern times. No, not that type of, uh... Modern times. Most who attend are industry representatives and the tech press these days. A lot of interesting products were announced, but we'll just have to wait and see how many of them actually make it to market. Running down all of these new products would be exhausting, if not impossible, to do, so I'll just highlight things I found interesting. The first products that grabbed my attention were from Samsung and LG, and that would be translucent television screens. Both South Korean firms announced televisions with those, uh, these, I should say, micro-LED or micro-OLED translucent displays. Well, I just don't get the function of a television with a screen such as this. Well, at least Samsung's version of it anyway. LG's version uses a black screen which pops up behind the set when you're actually watching the television. Samsung's display still shows what's behind it. Perhaps their product use is geared more towards business applications, such as advertising displays or building directories. What I do see is the eventual use of this technology for phone displays. I'm sure you've seen these sci-fi shows where the characters have a phone with a translucent display. The now-concluded show The Expanse comes to mind, for example. I don't think we'll be waiting long now for these types of displays showing up on our phones, though I don't know how long it's going to take for them to perfect them. For those zombies amongst us that walk around with their eyes glued to their smartphone screens, this will enable them to have some semblance of awareness of what's going on around them. <laughs> Hopefully. Translucent displays have been around for a while in aircraft cockpits and even some car displays, but brightness has always been the problem, which seems to have been fixed with these newer screen introductions. As predicted, there was a flood of new or updated laptop models featuring the latest generation of Intel chips. All the major players were present, HP, Lenovo, MSI, and many, many more. The big trend this year was multi-screened laptops. 
I'm no longer within the Windows PC world, so I can't comment if this development will be useful or not. I do know that multi-screens will add to the bulk and weight of the machine, which sort of defeats the purpose of the laptop form factor. Don't you agree? Another hot category was smart rings. You know, competition is good, and if I was Aura, who currently dominate the market, I'd be concerned. The big differentiator these upstart smart ring companies are making is that they're not requiring users to subscribe to the accompanying software like Aura currently does. Two standouts were the RingCon and EV smart rings. RingCon is, like most others, a clone of the Aura with software eerily similar to Aura's ring. I think RingCon also features NFC capability, which would be neat to use while paying for things. The EV smart ring is for women and is styled accordingly. Even the software, which emphasizes tracking things biological women would be concerned with, like menstrual cycle tracking, is even presented in a, dare I say, feminist style. I predict the EV Smart Ring will be a runaway bestseller within that market as long as it's well-constructed and the software proves useful. We'll see if Samsung releases its long-rumored Galaxy Ring at this year's Unwrap and see what they come up with. The other major, in my opinion, development was the apparent ascendancy of the home automation standard Matter, with even Google pushing their own Nest standard aside in favor of it. Matter also saw adoption of its AirPlay competitor, Master Casting, with Amazon adopting it, effectively bypassing Apple's AirPlay and Google's Chromecast. Master Casting is open source, and with Amazon on board, this will help open the floodgates for other manufacturers to start including it in their own products. Well, Apple better start paying attention to Matter as the company's HomeKit standard continues to flounder. LG televisions will also adopt the Matter Home standard, so this is a real thing. Until recently, LG had used the Google Nest standard with their televisions. A couple of products I would be interested in buying are the Withings or Withings. Weren't they using the Nokia name before? Anyway, BMO Health Monitor and my absolute favorite thing announced at CES, the Cold Snap Tabletop Soft Serve Ice Cream Maker. The Withing BMO can take your temperature, blood oxygen saturation, give you medical grade ECG readings, and has a built-in digital stethoscope all of which can be shared with your doctor via the Withings app. If only the BMO included a medical-grade blood pressure monitor, I would pre-order it. If your doctor participates in telemedicine, this piece of hardware could save you a trip to the office. The list price for the BMO was $250, and that's not bad for all that it does. The Cold Snap Ice Cream Maker uses pre-mixed cans of ingredients that you plop into the machine, and after a few minutes, you have soft-serve ice cream that, according to CES-goers who actually sampled it, rivals brands such as Carvel and Mr. Softy. It doesn't make clear if the Cold Snap will be a consumer product or not, but I could see myself buying one if it were of a reasonable price. If I did wind up getting one of these things, I would really need to buy that BMO, because my health would take a massive hit. <laughs> Is it me, or was this year's CS kind of more exciting than it has been in the previous years? TechCrunch reports that Google cuts hundreds of jobs in its voice assistants, hardware teams, as Fitbit founders leave. I guess this is a result of the adaptation of the Matter Home automation standard I talked about previously. In regards to the Fitbit founders leaving the big G, I think this is just a precursor to Google killing off the Fitbit brand, whose tech is being slowly but surely absorbed by the Pixel Watch. I don't get the Google Voice Assistant cut, though. Maybe the company is going to depend on AI for its voice assistant going forward. Well, that will wrap up the tech news for the week. 
Samsung Unpacked is next week, so I have some to look towards for material in next week's tech news. Tech I'm using. Well, I'm starting to enjoy using my new 15-inch screened MacBook Air. I guess I'm just getting used to it finally. I still think that the screen size is overkill for me. Now I've cranked down the brightness on it, which seems to have alleviated some of the eye fatigue I was suffering, of which I discussed last episode. But I can still see a difference in resolution compared to the old Intel MacBook Pro I traded in for this Air. It just might be my perception. I don't know. I'm starting to think that I should have went for the M3-powered base model MacBook Pro with beefed-up RAM, but then again, the reviews on that model weren't very good. At least with the Air, I don't have any fan noise. Anyway, the new MacBook Air is sufficient for all my needs. The Mac Mini setup is chugging along nicely, with my only problem with it is actually caused by the Hindenburg Pro digital audio workstation that I use. Hindenburg crashes at least once while using it, which kind of upsets me, though this might be caused by one or more of the plugins that I use. At least the massive memory leak I was suffering with Hindenburg seems to have been fixed by the developers finally. I miss the stability of the older version of the app and its non-subscription payment model. The only new tech around the old fart household are the cheap carbon monoxide alarms I just purchased from Amazon, for which I paid 20 bucks for a pair of them. Though my oil-fired boiler is fairly new, you can never be too careful. Did you get any new tech over the holidays? Let me know. Well, I've been thinking lately. Yeah, I know, no one pays me to think. But I'm retired now, so I have more time to do so. Anyhow, I can see a use case for an iPad becoming the main computing machine for mobile situations anyway, especially with its USB-C port. The funny thing is, it could be a perfect use case for myself. I know I always rant about how you can get more of your money's worth by just buying a MacBook Air, but hear me out. I'm not talking about getting a 12.9-inch iPad Pro with keyboard and accessories. No, I'm looking to the future, if or when Apple releases a 12.9-inch iPad Air. If they can equip it with a base of 256 gigs of storage and keep the price around $700, you could throw in a keyboard accessory for about 300 bucks. well, you'd have the equivalent of a 13-inch MacBook Air within a more compact form factor. If you want it, you could add cellular service to it also, something you can't do with any model of a Mac. I went for the MacBook Air because of the power it brings, not that I need it for my day-to-day tasks. No, I went for the Air in case I was ever somewhere remote or at least far away from my desktop setup and needed to record and publish an episode of a podcast. With Apple now providing USB-C connections on all their hardware, I could pack a small audio interface and microphones, use one of the digital audio workstations that are available for iOS, and hey, I'd be in business. With cellular capability, as long as you had a signal, you could upload your episode no matter where you were. But being real here, I'd probably never do this. What I could do is purchase a base model iPad 11, which my lovely wife has and loves, add a keyboard attachment for $250, and I'd have the perfect general computing device for hundreds less than a MacBook Air would set me back. Now, let's face it, most of my non-podcasting computing is word processing, email, and web browsing. I'd be giving up storage space and screen space, but for use while traveling, it would be perfect for my and most others' needs. What do you think? You probably think that I have too much time on my hands lately. 
right? Yes. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Entertainment News. Amazon's hundreds of reported job cuts show the tech giant bit off more than it can chew with streaming and movies, is the headline from Fortune.com. Gee, that was a long headline, wasn't it? Amazon has just announced a layoff of hundreds of workers from within its Amazon MGM Studios, Prime Video Service, and the once gaming-centric streaming service Twitch. Twitch hasn't been profitable since Amazon bought it some nine years ago. Twitch is now overrun with advertisements and has become dominated by cam girl style channels, whose hosts make a living off the simps who think they have a shot at dating these women. Ironically, these big-breasted female-hosted soft porn channels are probably the only thing keeping Twitch afloat. In regards to Prime, when it first started off, the first slate of Amazon original television series were solid and I enjoyed watching them. Most of these shows were discontinued after only a couple of seasons with shows like Alpha House and others which featured pretty big stars, and, you know, they were really enjoyable. Since buying MGM Studios, they have fallen off, in my opinion. Besides MGM's IP, I think Amazon also inherited a certain Hollywood outlook as well. And I think you know what I mean. There are still some good shows on the service, just not as many of them. Another factor most likely related to these layoffs is the $1 billion boondoggle that was the Rings of Power, which is getting another season for some reason. I was never a big Tolkien fan, though I did read the novels in my youth, and that's something the showrunners of Rings of Power probably failed to do. I did enjoy the Peter Jackson-directed series of movies from earlier in the 2000s, though. Amazon gave the Rings of Power series the complete Hollywood DEI treatment. You know, race and gender swapping, declarations of sexual preferences for no reason, and all the other things that come along with it. They always forget about the most important thing, though, which is the story. Yes. Well, at least someone made some money off this disaster. It just wasn't Amazon, though. No. Continuing with DEI disasters, Disney has laid off 20% of the workforce over at Pixar, the once animation powerhouse which churned out hit movie after hit movie during its heyday. You know, Steve Jobs was once the majority owner of Pixar. I wonder what he would think about the company's present state. You can say that hit movies aren't part of Pixar's vernacular these days. Is it me, or has Disney destroyed all of the studios it snapped up during the company's buying spree in the early 2000s? Disney and its properties are a sinking ship, and they can't blame anybody but themselves. And speaking of has-beens, Breitbart has the following headline. Howard Stern reveals he paused show after finally getting coronavirus. China. 
Yes, the self-proclaimed king of all media, Hollywood Howie himself, had the dreaded coof infectum. Just like most of us peasants. Stern, who, during most of his long and, yeah, illustrious career, identified with the common man. That is, until he married a fashion model much younger than he, and went on the woke side. Now, I wouldn't usually care about this, but old Howard was one of those triple-boosted types who literally locked himself in his mansion basement until attending a few outings late in 2023, all the while condemning us common folk for having doubts about the vaccine and refusing to continue wearing masks. He was one of the people who advocated for the refusal of medical treatment for the unvaxxed amongst the population. The 69-year-old washed-up shock chop claimed that he was never as sick in his life as he was with COVID. What? I had a bad case of the coof back in July of 22, but I've been way sicker than that in my lifetime. The length of my symptoms were more concerning for me than the two days of the worst effects of it that I suffered. Howie probably won't ever leave his mansion, at least under his own power, ever again. No. Maybe he can do us all a favor and, like an old soldier, just fade away. And while he's at it, he can take Battle Axe Hillary with him. Eh, hang on, that, that was that was kind of kind of mean, wasn't it? Yes. Podcast News. Second largest U.S. radio broadcaster and podcast powerhouse, Odyssey, has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Well, this is just another example of the continuing shrinking and consolidation of Podcasting Incorporated. I once got a six-month trial of Odyssey's podcasting app and got rid of it after less than a month. There just wasn't anything amongst its myriad of shows that I wanted to listen to on a continuous basis. If I recall correctly, most of Odyssey's shows were of the celebrity chat type, a type that's taken the biggest hit after the industry downturn post-pandemic. I beat China all the time. Oh, stop saying that. You didn't beat them all the time. Another contributor to Odyssey's problem is their purchase of the CBS radio network, which put them billions of dollars in debt. Well, I'm sure the company will trim the fat and come back to profitability in a couple of years. They will probably start by majorly scaling down their podcast division and selling off non-profitable radio stations. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop on Podcasting Incorporated. You'll know when that happens when big hosting companies start being bought out or going out of business entirely. Well, I've got my bag of popcorn handy to watch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, boy. Pod News Daily reports that 2023 saw the lowest number of new podcasts released in five years. The pandemic saw an explosion of new podcasts where unemployed celebrities and regular folk with nothing better to do threw their collective hats into the ring trying to get a hold of all that cash that was flying around back then. The regular folks dropped off quickly and the celebrities hung in a bit longer, but hey, it's all over for them now. Even many of those YouTube podcasts had gained fame during that time period of faltering, and I predict many of them coming to an end within the next couple of years. Some great drama podcasts, most done by unemployed New York stage actors, came about because of the pandemic. China. But as soon as the theaters opened back up, the writers and actors bolted back to them, leaving some really good podcasts orphans. Shows like Archive 81, City of Ghosts, and many others, for example. Well, at least something good came from those horrible times. The Castro Podcast app and its website are back up, says the headline from TheVerge.com. Over the last few months, there's been some drama surrounding the Castro app, with numerous instances of the app and website being down, and rumors of the app shutting down completely. Castro has been around for a while and has had good ratings on Apple's App Store. 
Castro is an iOS-only app which isn't compatible with any podcasting 2.0 features. Many members of this podcast audience use Castro, but as of late, Castro doesn't show up at all on my stats. I can't comment on how good or bad the app is or was because I've never used it. Just before sitting down to record this episode, Castro's webpage appears to be down again. Well, that's not a good sign now, is it? No. With a bunch of really good podcasting 2.0 apps out there, I don't think Castro will be able to survive. Have you ever used the Castro podcasting app? There's no rant or story time this week. I'm just not feeling inspired to do either. Perhaps it's a sign of my old age. You tell me. The music is playing as the evening sets upon me. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Well, the flurries seem to be over, but the temperature is dropping. So why don't you bundle up and get off my lawn? Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.